Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. <laughs> if you stand to your feet for a moment, you knew that was coming, right? You knew it. <laughs> um, thank you guys for the worship. Oh, Lord, we just bless you. Thank you, Lord. You're awesome. You're so, so awesome. Um, we thank you for speaking to us, and we thank you for allowing us to hear, not just hear, but do what your word says and what you're telling us. Lord, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit being in this place. Um, we just pray that um, we will not leave here the same, uh, that we will be transformed from being with you and being in your presence that others will be able to see that transformation uh, we will be able to see that transformation in ourselves Lord God we um, we count it all joy Lord God to be in your presence and to know you and to make you known uh, you're doing this not just for us uh, but for this world that needs you Pray that we take your presence outside of these walls and take them to the world. Take it to the world, Lord God. They will see you in us. They will see your love in us. They will see your joy in us, Lord God. And they will be renewed and desire to get to know you in a greater and real way, Lord God. Let us not be moved by the circumstances of this world, Lord God, but let us be moved by your presence, by your word, by your Holy Spirit. We just thank you, Lord. We honor you. We praise you. We press into you, Lord God, just entering in with our hearts being renewed and changed and massaged and softened. Um, the works of this world can make us callous throughout the week, <laughs> um, but we come here to be refreshed and be renewed for you to soften our hearts that we may love those who don't love us and pray for those who want to use us. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ah, praise the Lord. You may take your seats. Um, God is good in this place, Lord. and um, We are grateful for the presence. We... <laughs> You know, I think sometimes here we may take it for granted that uh, we have such great praise and worship and um, that we're able to enter in because some places don't have that or don't make, have that experience. And so it's uh, kind of a privilege and an honor that we have a great praise and worship team that's, team that's willing to seek the Lord and be in his presence and really sing unto the glory of God. So thank you guys. <laughs> Um, today we're, is a uh, movie theme Sunday. Uh, last month we um, uh, it just went left me right then. <laughs> last month we talked about uh, Remember the Titans. That's the movie we used. Uh, so this month, month or today we're going to be uh, referencing the Karate Kid. 
I'm sure all of you have seen that movie many, several times. I, I watched it again last night. Um, uh, but yeah, The Karate Kid. Uh, Daniel LaRusso, remember him? He was a mild-mannered New Jersey teenager who has, has to move from his native state of New Jersey to Los Angeles, California, because his mother had got a job there. Uh, he thought he was going to have a nice house with a pool. He finds out he's in a new home. His new home is a crappy apartment, uh, and the pool has no water in it. <laughs> uh, he tries to fit in with the California crowd. What he finds is a nice girl from his new high school and some bullies from a karate school named Cobra Kai who want to make his life miserable. Then a Japanese handyman named uh, Mr. Miyagi, I'm not going to try to pronounce his first name, comes to the aid of Daniel. Daniel got into several fights with this Cobra Kai group. Um, and Mr. Miyagi decides to teach Daniel karate so he can defend himself, uh, which he does in a roundabout way. Daniel and Mr. Miyagi develop a great friendship or relationship and uh, while he's teaching him karate. He signs up for a karate tournament, and Daniel is determined to win in that tournament. I'm not going to spoil it for you who haven't seen it. It was came out in 1984, so if you hadn't seen it by now, I don't know if you ever see it. <laughs> but he wins, he wins the karate tournament. That's, that's how it ends. I'm sorry. Somebody didn't see it. I'm sorry. I ruined it for you. Uh, but we're going um, to talk about uh, trust the process. Trust the process. Remember, wipe on and wipe off, and yeah. And Daniel didn't always trust the process. <laughs> he thought Mr. Miyagi was just using him. And sometimes we may feel that way as well. We may feel like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. This doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> and so we have to trust the process. Uh, Philippians 1 6, we said, being confident, confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, he who has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's good. That's good to know. Uh, Genesis 50 and 20 says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about. Uh, as is this very day, so that many people can be saved or alive. So we're going to look at uh, two things. We're going to look at the life of David, and then we're going to look at uh, Joshua um, in the walls, breaking down the walls of Jericho. And then we're going to end with a couple of scriptures. But the whole theme is trust the process. How many of you are trusting the process right now? Are you, tr- are you trusting the process? Process doesn't always look nice, but we must trust the process. Uh, David was called by God to be king. And that calling happened um, in 1 Samuel 16, I think around verses 7 through 13, uh, when Samuel goes before uh, David's father, Jesse, and, and says, you know, Hey, you have some sons. I think the Lord is calling one of them to be king. And uh, Jesse brings about all his sons, except for David at first, because they looked like they would be kings. 
they were big in stature and they may have been smarter and um but uh first Samuel one first Samuel sixteen seven says do not look at the appearance, uh, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his, or at his physical stature because I have refused him. He was talking about one of David's son, uh, Jesse's sons. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And isn't that good? That's good to know that it is not always about what we see, but it's about what God sees. And he doesn't always look at the outward appearance because sometimes we are swayed by what we see outwardly um, but he's looking at the heart so many times we may make decisions based off of what we see and not what he sees Um, so uh, in verse let's see what is this down towards first samuel 16 i think around verse 13 it says and the lord said arise anoint him for this is the one he had brought david david was out uh, with the sheep, he says, "The Lord, this is the one uh, that you should. This, this is the one. Anoint him. This is the one." And 13, it says, "Then Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the spirit of the Lord came to da- came upon David from that day forward." And so David was anointed to be king on this day. And what did David do the next day, or right after this? He went back to sin. <laughs> Some may say, that doesn't seem right. You know, why didn't he just become king right then? Or why didn't he just overthrow Saul? And uh, the process didn't seem like it was the right process. You know, and David might have been like, well, well, that was nice. And that was nice words. But now I'm going back to my regular job doing what I regularly do. Uh, The process brings about the promise. David plays the harp for Saul. So there are several things that David has to go through after he's anointed and so he pray, plays the heart for Saul and the evil spirit leaves him that's first Samuel 16 uh, 14 through 13 uh, David slays Goliath that's first Samuel 17 um, 32 through 50 Saul attempts to kill David by sending him to war with the Philistines against the Philistines first Samuel 18 and I think at some point around this time I'm sure David is thinking when will this happen? You know, I was anointed to be king. I don't know how many years now had this has passed, um, but it's not happening. And this, this doesn't seem right. Well, I'm not, not trusting what Samuel said uh, several years ago. Saul attempts to have David assassinated by his servants in Jonathan in you know, 1 Samuel 19. And Jonathan tells uh, David about uh, his father's plans. And I'm sure at this point, David is wondering, what happened? <laughs> I was anointed to be king, and now I'm trying, uh, the king is trying to assassinate me. What is going on? Uh, David runs from Saul and hides in a cave. And uh, I'm sure at that point, David is really thinking, man, Samuel really was off the mark. I mean, he was really in the flesh in this. This is not panning out the way. I thought it would pan out, or it doesn't look the way I thought it would look. But David doesn't get bitter, he gets better. He has the opportunity to kill Saul twice, and he spares him. And if David had gotten bitter, I'm sure he would have been like, I'm, I'm, 
you know, I'm right in my, you know, wanting to uh, kill him. I had the opportunity. I could have. He tried to assassinate me. He sent me to battle and tried to get me killed. I'm sure I would have been justified in killing him. And then I would have become king and I would have taken matters into my own hand. Right? We wouldn't, if, it, if the story panned out right there like that, we would have said, okay, that made sense. Because Saul was after him. He was trying to kill him. And he was defending himself. But David didn't get bitter. He got better in the process. He trusted the process. And there were many psalms that David felt betrayed and wondered where the Lord was and what was going on. But he trusted the process. David waited some 15, they say 15 plus years from the time that he was anointed king to the time that he actually fulfilled that promise of being king. Some 15 plus years. And then there was another seven years before David was anointed king over all of Israel. Additional seven years. Are we trusting the process? Are we willing and able to say, hey, no matter what it takes, no matter what's going on, no matter what the world says, no matter what the world system is doing, I am standing the fight, I'm standing the game, and I'm trusting the process that God is bringing me through to bring about his promise. Are we doing that, or are we saying, I give up, I don't have hope, <laughs> I've thrown in the towel, I'm just here. We're standing, the, we're standing the fight. We're going to trust the process. Let's look at Joshua chapter 6. talks about the walls of Jericho. If you shortcut the process, you may short-circuit the results or the product. So let's look at Joshua. So now Jericho, uh, Joshua chapter 6, it says, Now Jericho was securely shut up before, uh, because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. So Jericho was tight. No one was leaving. No one was going in and out because they realized the children of Israel was around. They were beating up some enemies. And they were like, hey, we need to protect ourselves. We're going to stay in. We're not going to move. We're not going to leave. We're not going to give them an opportunity to come and destroy us. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given you, given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all of you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And on the seventh time the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass that when they make the loud blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Trust the process. Now, I'm sure the children of Israel was wondering, what's going on here? <laughs> this is different. Uh, we hadn't seen this before. Uh, you know, and maybe on day one, they said, all right, we'll do day one. We'll see what happens. And the wall doesn't change. It's like, hmm, well, all right. So we did it that one day. And then the next day, they come back and they walk around. They see no movement in the wall. 
And how many of you were giving up on day two? Said, all right, this is not working. I'm out of here. <laughs> day three comes around. And they walk around again. Nothing happens. And day four. And day five. And day six. And we're saying, I don't trust this process. <laughs> this doesn't look like anything that has happened before. I don't know about this, God. I missed a mark. I'm going to go back and turn around and go home. It's not working. You know what we do sometimes and how, how it happens? I don't mean for you to be somber. You guys are looking real sad. I can't see your faces anyway. So I'm saying. <laughs> so you're looking sad, but it's like, well, I can't see your faces. So. <laughs> but isn't that what happens? You know, after year six, five, ten, you're like, man, this is not working out for me. I must have missed a mark. I must have misheard. The prophecies are not coming to pass. Uh, this is more difficult than I thought. And I'm not trusting the process. I'm not learning karate at all. <laughs> I have been used and abused by Mr. Miyagi. Um, I'm not trusting the process. What if the children of Israel did turn around on day six and say, hey, look, man, this wall hasn't changed at all. And then on day seven, we got a, I'm not sure how big the city was. I'm sure it's a pretty good-sized city. It's a city. You had to walk around it seven times. So not just the one time every day for the six days, then on the seventh day you do seven times. And I'm sure on that seventh day somebody is saying, hey, look, <laughs> what are we doing wasting our time walking around this wall? Nothing has happened. Nothing's changed. I don't see a brick moving. I don't see the foundation shifting. I don't see anything that's happening. And some would say, you guys are crazy. You're doing the same thing getting the same results every day. Isn't that what we say? But trust the process. God had it in their plan. He gave them, he told them what to do. And he told them the process. And if they had done anything different, it would have short-circuited the results. Maybe the wall wouldn't have fell down. And maybe they would have said, oh, we shortcut it and we did only three times on the seventh day and nothing happened. So we gave up and we turned back around. And so what will happen when the enemy knows you've done that against God's word? Because now you're not trusting God and you're not believing him. So the next time God tells you something, then you're going to second guess what he's telling you. And you're going to say, well, you know, last time it didn't work out the way I thought. But you forget that you didn't do what God told you to do exactly the way he told you to do it. And so the enemy says, oh, it's going to be the same way like it was last time. He throws it at you. And then you start to doubt again. And then some, eventually you just don't even try. Even when the Lord tells you, you say, oh, whatever. I, I've, I've been down that road. I'm not doing that again. I'm not going to witness to my family. I've tried that several times. It's not working. So, hmm. Trust the process. So in preparation, so that we don't short-circuit the process, uh, there are two things we want to look at, transformation and sanctification, which are both processes in and of themselves. <laughs> Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, 
which is your reasonable service? Verse 2 says, And be not conformed to the world, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Transform. Have you, now, I'm not talking about this movie. We're talking about a karate kid, but you've seen the movie Transformers or used to play with the Transformers or at least have heard of them tacitly in your lifetime. <laughs> Transformers, their tagline is more than meets the eye, right? Because it's not what you see. Because it can fool you. You may see something. You may see it in a plane, but it transforms and becomes a warrior jet or something. I don't know. Uh, or a truck becomes... Megatron, or I can't think of all the names right now. Anyway, (laughs) you get the picture, that you are being transformed. And that is a process in and of itself. That transformation is a process. The renewing of your mind is a process. And transform, looking at it in the Greek, it's metamorphi or metamorph. And it means changing form and keeping with your inner reality and also this means transform after being with or transfigured. And being in the presence of God, we are transfigured. We are transformed. Our minds are renewed. And so we are transformed. We are transforming. I hope some of you are transformed after today. And that you go out of here, not just a regular old person. <laughs> but a major force to be reckoned with in the kingdom of God, and you're going out and you're going to slay some giants. And you're going to trust the process. Second uh, Corinthians three sixteen and 18 says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we are all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we're looking in this mirror, and we see the glory of the Lord. And when we look at this and we see his glory, then it transforms us. This is my mirror, and I'm looking in it. And as I look intently, I see that I am changing because of the glory that is being revealed in this. You get that? We're looking at this. This is the mirror that we're looking at. And I'm looking at this intently. And when I'm looking at this, it is revealed who I really am. And I will see myself being transformed by the glory that is revealed in this mirror here. It's not a mirror figuratively that you see in the bathroom. (laughs) When you see yourself and you look intently and nothing changes. (laughs) But this word will change you. It will transform you. And as you begin to look intently in this, you will be changed. Do you believe it? Amen. Amen. Sanctification is another thing that we're going to learn in the process. While we're trusting the process, we should become sanctified. Philippians 2, 12, 13 says, Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with 
fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. So this is the, the, the paradox here. It says, work it out. You work it out. But then it says God is <laughs> working in you as well. It's, the two, it's twofold. We've got to do both. You can't do one without the other. Uh, and then the God is going to always hold up his end of the bargain. Uh, so many times we don't hold up our end. So we're going to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And then he is also working in both the will for you to work out your own salvation for his good pleasure. He's going to give you the desire to want to be sanctified and to desire to work that out. And that's going to require some work. We must work in God's working. We must work alongside God in this process of sanctification. Paul says, God works in you the will and to do of his good pleasure. He gives us the very desire to grow in Christ. This is why we were, this is why when we get to heaven, there will be no room for boasting. Why? Because God did it all. Because <laughs> it wasn't. And Paul even says this uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. It says, for I am the least of the apostles and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace to me is with no effect. Without his grace, without his grace, I have no, no effect. No, I work harder than all of them. So then this is him working. So he said, it requires his grace. But then I work harder than everyone. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. He's doing his part. And God is doing his part. And then we will be transformed. The sanctification will happen. Stay in the fight. Trust the process. Uh, we're going to, almost done. Yeah, we're almost done. Cool. <laughs> we're going to look at Proverbs. Uh, so Proverbs 3, 5 through 12. It's not, it's a lot. But I'm just going to uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be help to your flesh and strength to your bones. That's good. <laughs> Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be help to your flesh and strength to your bones. Under the Lord with your possessions and your first fruits, your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening or the discipline of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as his father, just as the father of the son in whom he delights. Lean not to your own understanding. So, Daniel's son, <laughs> there's a scene where... You know, Daniel had cleaned the cars. He waxed on and waxed off the cars. He had several antique vehicles. I don't know if you remember. I'm trying to draw a picture. Of you. Some of may come back. It's been a while, I know. Uh, and then uh, he had uh, a deck or wood deck that he had to sand, and he had these sand buffers that he used his hand. Then Daniel was feeling, you could tell at the end of all this, he was in pain and, you know, he felt like, oh, gosh, this is hurting me. But he did not understand what was going on. You know, it was like, what is it? What is it? And, you know, towards the end of that scene when he was doing the sanding of the deck, he kind of leaves and was like, 
I'm just wasting my time here. You could tell he didn't say it, but he was thinking it. Then he came back the next day, and then he had to paint the, uh, the fencing around the house. And so he did the outside, and you could tell he told him a certain way to do it. And he did that, and he thought it was done. He goes to him and said, I'm done painting. He said, did you do the other side? And he was like, oh, God, come on, i got to do the other side. So he goes and paints the other side. And then he has a, he, he kind of like, man, I'm, I'm fed up with this. This just isn't, you're supposed to be teaching me karate, and I'm just, you're just using me as a slave, basically. Uh, and Mr. Miyagi, at that point, kind of shows him, hey, what you've been doing is part of this process that I'm teaching you. And so he goes through certain moves. And you could tell in Daniel's face that he was amazed and kind of connected now that, oh, you were training me all alone. You know, this is what was going on. And so how many times when you look back over things, you're, you're like, man, you know what, Lord, you were teaching me something in that. You know, at that moment, it hurt, and I didn't see it, or it was painful. But I can look back on that time and say, man, you, you were really showing me something. You, um, you were changing me, and it was part of the process to get me here. Um, yeah. So the three lessons that in the movie that we, I want you to take away, um, one, that everything isn't always as it seems. So in the process, everything isn't always as it seems. And as minuscule as painting or sanding or, you know, buffing a car, and you would say, man, this is, this is what am I doing? And even David could have said, man, you, I was anointed to be king, and now I'm going back with these sheep. What's going on here? Everything isn't always as it seems. And you may have to go through some things. You may have to do the regular. You may know you're anointed to do whatever you got your call to do, but then the Lord may tell you to, hey, go clean those bathrooms. <laughs> Even with your anointed self, go anoint those toilets over there. <laughs> clean that. <laughs> it's the process. Uh, sometimes our circumstances takes us to places we really don't want to be. That can be overwhelming and discouraging. Uh, Mr. Miyagi often says everything isn't always as it seems to Daniel. Daniel's son becomes frustrated because he thinks Mr. Miyagi is using him. Uh, but then, secondly, but in reality, he was preparing him for something bigger. That's the second lesson. You are being prepared for something bigger. And you, we, we are corporately are being prepared for something bigger, but you individually are being prepared for something bigger as well. So David was being prepared to be king, and the children of Israel were being prepared to take the promised land. And they needed to trust God in that process. Uh, just as Ms. Miyagi was preparing Daniel to fight in the tournament, God is preparing you for something bigger. Daniel needed to learn karate, and he knew in order to learn, he must trust Mr. Miyagi that he knew what he was doing. We, too, must trust our sensei. Our master, we must trust and know what he is doing. We must not lean to our own understanding. And in that process, they become good friends, right? <laughs> Such as we should become. Um, and in that process, the, the third thing is never fight evil with evil, fight evil with good. No matter what, the Cobra Kai, 
guys did or threw at uh, Daniel. Mr. Miyagi always wanted him to do the right thing and be fair in that process. Uh, your enemies may cause you doubt, fear, and discouragement. They are like nothing more for you to give up, but we must trust the process. We can't give up the fight. We can't throw in the towel. God has something bigger in store for you individually, and he has it in store for us corporately. So we must believe and trust that he knows what he's doing, and he's working it out in the end. Amen? Amen. You may stand to your feet. I think we're... I do want, um, I, again, I want to encourage Cornerstone uh, to trust the process, <laughs> to not to give up or to give in or to uh, give to your own desires or to see it and see things in the flesh, not in the spirit, and not really pick up what the Lord is doing in your life individually, but uh, as a body corporately. And though it may be few in number, um, God can do <laughs> whatever he wants with whoever he wants. And we can take this city with 5, 10, 20 people. It doesn't matter. Uh, and even though the goals may seem lofty, you may say, oh, we need more people. We, need, we can't do this all by ourselves. Uh, the Lord is saying, I'm with you. And that's all we need. <laughs> we don't need anyone but the Lord on our side. Um, Really, that's it. That's all we need is him. And he's going to do everything he needs to do in us so that we can win whoever we need to win to Christ and to Cornerstone and to the ministry and to the world. He can do that. Sometimes I have to remind myself, all we need is him. That's all we need. With God on our side, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love that you gracelessly bestow on us. Lord, we just thank you for massaging our hearts and that we receive what you're teaching us today and that we will be transformed and renewed in our minds and that we will be sanctified, uh, and that we will work alongside what you're doing in us, Lord God, and that we will trust the process that you're taking us through, that we will not give up. Year after year, it may seem like nothing's changing, but we're believing and trusting in you, Lord God. Uh, We just thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. Or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.